All right. Welcome back to For the Water Cooler, the podcast where you get to chat with your favorite coworkers about what you watched last night. I'm Caroline Darney, and joining me is my virtual office buddy, Matt Scalise. How are you doing? Doing great, Caroline. I, I, I sound, I hope, a lot better this week because I got a fancy <laughs> podcasting microphone now. New mic? <laughs> I'm so excited about it. You're going you're gonna to really hear... The superior sound quality later in the show. You're going to hear the difference, folks. Weekly listeners know what I'm talking about. but (laughs) Well, it's going to be a great show. And later in the show, we're going to be joined by Drew Taylor and Charles Hood. I'm super excited about this. They are from Light the Fuse, a podcast that's exclusively devoted to Mission Impossible. Uh, We're going to discuss, surprise, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which comes out today as you listen to this, Wednesday, July 12th, the newest 7th. Is it the That's seventh? right. This is seven. Seventh Mission Impossible movie, which somehow survived uh, number two. So that's exciting. <laughs> um, but before we get to our awesome guests, uh, let's do some headlines. Um, Matt, Song of the Summer is a thing that comes up this time of year. It's too hot to do anything else except talk about songs, I guess. Um, we talked about this a little bit in Slack this week, but also uh, I have a post out there. I've made my choices. Matt, who, what's your what's your song this summer? You well, we got. Couple, you want to give me one? What are we? We got into we, a very heated debate about this this we week did. in Slack, and and that's I I think we haven't talked a ton of music here on the show yet, other than our first guest, Michael <laughs> Junior, talking about Taylor Swift. For like thirty minutes of Tay. <laughs> yeah, and my you know look, I am admittedly not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I would say that I have I have admiration for her craft, but I. <laughs> Like there's a there is a level of being a fan of Taylor Swift that I don't even know that I'm a fan of anything as much as Taylor Swift fans are of her That's music fair. where they sort of like they know the lore, they know like the you know when they when her sort of reissued albums come out it's treated like all new songs. Like it's it's incredible. I I honestly I have a ton of admiration for how she does the business of what she does. This is setting up. I feel like you're this not is all say setting up for me saying I don't think a song from 2010 <laughs> can be considered the song of the summer in 2023. I Wait, just what don't year think did you so. say? 2012? 2010 was it? No, sir, sir. When, Cruel Summer is from 2019. Okay, Cruel Summer is my song of the summer because it's still my point stands. But the, her, <laughs> now her her album that's coming that just came out is from 2010, right? 20, yeah, 2011 speak now taylor's okay. version just i didn't released, pull that out is, of nowhere yeah no that the song you're talking about sir is from yes. the lover album her lover <laughs> era <laughs> which released in 2019 i only bring this up because like it is unusual um so we're, the song we're talking about is cruel summer which was supposed to be the bop of 2020 summer 2020 um a few other things came up in the summer of 2020 and the vibes were not particularly there for a song called Cruel Summer as the pandemic is, like, raging on. So the song kind of got shelved and never got the, like, summer hit treatment that it... I would say that it deserved. It, it would have been a huge bop in 2020. Um, I mean, we were listening to music in 2020, right? Yeah, but again, Cruel Summer... That's what, I feel like, like you wasn't know? that Dua Lipa's summer was 2020? Was it? I don't know. What is time, Matt? I don't know. What is I, time? I really have blanked all of that out. But yeah. I, I, I would say <laughs> where I fall on this is... And, and look, I will admit, I have another horse to root for here as part yeah. of my opinion. I, I don't think a song from that long ago can be 
treated the same way because we've been, we look, we've heard the song before this year. It's definitely getting a lot more attention all of a sudden, but it's not like none of us heard it before this year. And I think that the song of the summer for 2023 is Olivia Rodrigo's vampire, a brand new song, which is a (laughs) a totally immediately hooks into your brain when you hear it. It's also not, I, I, what I also love about this song is it's not, the song that you think it is when you start listening yeah, to it. Yeah, that's true. It, I definitely was like, this better pick up, Matt. <laughs> that's right. And, I, and it does. I mean, it sounds like a slow ballad at first. And then yeah. about halfway through, it is a full-on club banger. Like, you are <laughs> you are blasting it in your car. It's a, it's a perfect summer song because it's got big feelings, but it also is, like, genuinely fun to play at very loud volumes and yes. and sing it to yourself. Like it, I, I've, I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm excited about her second album. Uh, it's interesting too, that this is the other uh, song that we're discussing. Cause well, it's, I don't know if this is actually accurate or not, but here's the thing. When you talked about Taylor Swift before and her fans yeah. and like finding things and everything, whatever, um, the way they've like broken down, they, the way they go, they go into like, like number, everything where it's like well if you look at this and you add these dates that's this many days until whatever so but if there's a few theories out there that this song vampire by olivia rodrigo isn't actually about any like an ex-boyfriend she had an ex-boyfriend who was a few years older um that people are like oh that's what this is it's about like a relationship that ended and um but rather the friendship with taylor swift that ended Listen. And there's there's stuff that if you go into with the like song licensing from where she admit like she said initially with one one of the songs from her debut album that she like um, not sampled but used the chords from one of yeah Taylor, Taylor Swift songs. ended up with a writing credit on yeah one of and then songs. she got a second writing credit um, when I think it was Paramore that ended up going into like court because the Good for You sounds a lot like Misery sure. anyway this is not to take this song is awesome. It, it's not no one's saying like the song but there's definitely conspiracy theories out there about like what it's actually about and i don't really like i don't really i don't think i really buy into it I, it just feels like yeah. a pitting, pitting artists against i don't know that i buy it either but i i enjoy that the like dramatic element of it yeah. and i i do think i do think and look my my like just my discovery personally of olivia rodrigo's music it's kind of weird because i'm not somebody that listens to a ton of pop radio i would say i keep up like i hear the big the big hits and the big artists i was mostly aware of her because she was on a disney channel tv show that my kids loved oh bizarre vark and it was like hey look your your buddy from your tv show that you like put an album out and then of course i'm having to go like well is there clean versions of this but (laughs) but like i mean she she very quickly went from being hey this Disney Channel star has an album now to being like, wow, she's a huge deal. She's like one of the biggest oh, huge deal. now. Her future is so bright. Like she's just so, she's just a good, um, she evokes emotions, right? That's you want a singer-songwriter to yeah. do or performer to do. It's good like I angsty seen, teen stuff. It's great. Yes, yeah, driver's license, bop. Absolute, turn it up in the car, yell, sing that one. Uh, I will say a couple other nominations for Song of the Summer, especially with next week. We've got Barbie coming out. The the Dua Lipa jam from Barbie, Dance the Night. 
Which there is supposedly a dance sequence choreographed in the movie to this song. So that could only add to its popularity. Wonderful. Uh, We have the viral One Margarita song from TikTok. Which we can't discuss it. We will not discuss that here. This is a family-friendly podcast. You do see it it a lot on TikTok these days. Yes. Uh, If you haven't heard it uh, and you don't mind some... Profanity per se? I don't know if it's profanity really, but anyway, it's not suitable for work. Don't bust it out at work. Don't bust it out in front of the kids. NSFW. But, yeah, a little NSFW, but it's a uh, it's it is catchy. You will have it stuck in your <laughs> in your head for days. Um and uh what is it fa- how do you feel about the fast car cover uh, by Luke Combs? I'm not happy about it, Caroline, but this <laughs> I'm willing to admit that this is an old man opinion by me. I, I don't I don't uh feel like the cover adds much different elements to yeah. it to make it justify it as a cover. Like I, I, for all, look, I don't know. I don't follow country music and I don't know who the artists are. So I'm sure this is a guy that just people would like, there's some people who would like to hear him cover any song. Yeah. But I feel like that Tracy Chapman song. So good. It's such a, such a unique thing and holds a really strong position to in, in people's minds who grew up hearing it. Yeah. It also seems to me like very specifically a song that is sung from a female perspective, which I think it's kind of weird to hear a man sing it. Um, but again, these are probably old man opinions. I, I'm glad everyone's finding the song. I'm glad she's getting paid for it. Yeah. being a big hit. I think that's great. Uh, I'm never going to like it as much as I like the original. Well, no, and that's, there are very few, well, I don't want to say very few. There's a lot of covers out there that are actually super successful. I, I, I want to make sure that people, when they listen to it, understand that there is the Tracy Chapman version that is chef's kiss perfection, 10 out of 10, no notes. Um, And I'm on the, so, so with covers, I always get real, like you want them to add a little bit of something, but also like you better stay true to the original. Like if you really love the original, like if he had gone like off the rails with like how he performed it or, and honestly the version, his voice is beautiful. I don't listen to a ton of country. I do summertime. I can get down with some country. It's like that when it gets hot out, I'm like, sure, let's add some. You just want to hear country when there, when there are, when there are beers in a cooler around. Yeah. It's like when I'm, I think of like baseball games and like someone's walking up to the plate to, you know, I don't know, country girl. That would be a really depressing walk up song. huh? Yeah. That one would not, I don't recommend that one, but I will say, so it's for me, it's always the, um, the Fuji's killing me softly is probably my favorite cover. Yeah. Great example. But they look, that's, and they they, add, they change just enough and add the, Oh, I can hit every single one of the, like, anyway, I won't do it, but love it. Uh, we could talk about summer songs all day, but we don't have time for that. Um, there's a few other things that have happened recently, including the launch of your new favorite social media platform, Threads. <laughs> just let me sigh as deeply into this, this new just, mic as I can. We're going to call this segment like Matt has opinions. <laughs> Matt. What has been your problem with? So earlier, what was it last week? I don't know. Again, I don't know what time is, but uh, Twitter messed up tweet. Sorry, changed tweet deck. I think since then they have unchanged it um, back to the, or you can revert back to the original tweet deck. There was also the day uh, right around the 4th of July holiday where we learned that there were uh, tweet limitations as in like how many you could read. And there was the tweet from Elon Musk that you could, what, 600 unless you paid more and like all of these things to drive Twitter blue subscriptions. I am a, that's never going to, never, ever in any world whatsoever will I give you my $8 a month. Never. Um, never. And so people were clamoring 
for another option. Here comes Mark Zuckerberg, who already has all of our data. So, you know, uh, with the Instagram version, essentially, of Twitter called Threads. You're not a fan. I'm going to let you give your reasoning. Yeah. And and to be clear, I also am not a fan of Twitter. I have <laughs> I have built a, a very moderately sized audience for myself on Twitter over the years. I've been on it since 2009. Oh so it would be fair to say that I have some bias towards wanting to keep my audience. But yeah, also, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally aware that w- without going too deeply into it, Twitter is deeply broken and mm. it is going to stay broken until it is owned by someone else than it is currently owned by. So I'm, I'm by no means am I suggesting anybody should be staying on Twitter or spending a lot of time on Twitter. I think it's bad for you. Uh, don't do as I say, not as I do, but, <laughs> but I, I, and I want an alternative, but yeah. I don't think threads is it. And, and I, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Number one, it, it is not a clone of Twitter, and, and it was not made to be that. No. It's built to be something completely different. Um, and it's built, I would say, much more like Instagram than it is yeah. like Twitter. Uh, some To some people, that is obviously very appealing. Yeah. For me, it's definitely not. And because <laughs> what I get out of Twitter is, I, I number one, it is a place where I get information the second that it happens. Yes. And that's what pulled me into Twitter in the first place. Yeah. That's not a part of threads right now. They claim sure. that, that that they will be addressing it at some point. We'll see. And I will change I will I will reassess then. But you right reserve now, the right to completely switch, change course. Yeah no I but, mean that's but, fair. That's hundred percent fair. But right now when you go in there, you don't really have a lot of control over what you see, which is different than Twitter. You 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 decide who you follow. Uh, you can decide to see it in chronological order, which again, for, especially for us, Caroline, who yeah. people who That's came to Twitter for sports. Yeah. If you're not seeing the tweets, the posts as they happen, it's basically useless for sports. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that's a big part of it for me too. But, but ultimately it just makes me really infuriated to, <laughs> to open the app and see a bunch of posts from people that I don't follow and I would never follow. Okay. So this is where I jump in because when we were talking about this initially, like the first night, I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm only seeing people I follow. I've not seen any. I think you've got the beta test of the good thread. (laughs) And I think it's because I did. I do follow a lot of people on, on Instagram. Not a lot of ton. It's like 1200, which feels like a lot, but also doesn't feel like that many. Like it's not wild. So I think it was able to more. It's twice as many as I follow. Yeah. I think it was able to more readily put people I follow in front of me. The things that I did like, I like aesthetically. I'm pleased with it. Love the logo. Don't know. I have no problem with how it looks. I do think it looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so what I want, when I first, the first couple of days, I was like, look, if you chronological order this, and that's the thing that they, these guys need to listen to people. Literally, if you just gave us chronological order, people we follow, that's it. That's all we want. Caroline, I've like, always literally said, all we want. I've always said if people would just listen to everything I say, the world I know, would be so much everything better. would just go so much smoother. Everyone <laughs> would be so much happier. But it is, it's just so simple. You're like, why do I don't need remember it's like there's a viral tweet that I always comes to my head where it's like, We just want an edit button. They're like, 
good news, likes are now kazoos or whatever right. it is. And you're like, that's not what we asked for. Yeah. Um, and I wanted more. Shout out Action Cookbook. That is, who, is, that that is Action who is the author of that um, I wanted a little bit, like you were kind of saying, for me, I wanted more Instagram threads uh, integration. Like, I don't want a separate app necessarily for that. Like, I, because it's just right now there's too many apps to open, et cetera, et cetera. They did mm-hmm. make it better with like sharing threads within your own Instagram story, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I love the fact that people I only follow on Instagram um, are now in my <laughs> timeline or whatever. You want. I don't know if it's a timeline, if it's just random, but. Uh, and only in the sense that there's a couple like re- like the best dog content accounts that I follow now have like their own little Twitter. <laughs> so happy, Sookie and Ivy. But they don't know what to post because they're she they're, crochets they're hats based. for them. <laughs> she crochets hats for them. You should. <laughs> That's a big it. part of it. Is like basically Sookie and Ivy. <laughs> people who got big Instagram followings are now on a text only platform. Yeah, and so you have like basically the hottest people in the world getting on here and going like, I don't know, no, what do you guys do. put on your hot dogs or something, you know? Like <laughs> well, they, the other, they have nothing to say. <laughs> the other part is now you have, because so, Instagram is much more of a beneficial tool for influencers than Twitter, yes, right? And absolutely. so all of the, like, I think it goes TikTok and then Instagram, and I could be convinced to flip them. So now you have, if you don't want to be inundated or see people retweet influencers into your timeline, like it is going to be a tough, a tough hang. Um, so it's kind of, there's definitely things for that to reason, work out. For that reason, sharks, I am out. <laughs> for that reason, I, I will I say, I, I think, I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I do hope that, that threads make some changes that make it more appealing to people like me, but yeah. If they don't, there are other alternatives, and we'll talk about those in the future. I'm on Blue Sky right now. Oh, there's you got not, the invite? There's Ooh. not a lot of people on there, which is the main problem with it, but otherwise... I thought you were going to say that's the best thing about it. Well, that's... <laughs> not what, a lot of people. It's, it's great. A, it's a plus and a minus, for sure. But <laughs> I would say it has... It, it is built... It does what I want it to do. Yeah. I just don't have as many people over there yet. Right. And, you know, we'll we'll see who wins that race. I do think, ultimately somebody's going to figure it out. And, and I think they're going to figure it out before Elon Musk does. It I think that's a safe 44 bet. Billion. Again, yeah. just, oh gosh. And anyone that can just keep, it's just, yeah, it's, so we'll see. The great social media fight is on or continues. <laughs> I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but we both over the last week, since we last talked to our wonderful listeners here, uh, have done a couple junkets. Um, it's we really, have. like you got again Mission Impossible Day today. Uh, I was able to do a couple for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Gran Turismo. Uh, Matt, the Mission Impossible was your first press junk. No, second press junk. No, I did do I did do one for Transformers, <laughs> but I, I mean, which was a good which was a good like um, introduction to this to how this works for me. Yeah, but. I would say that the Mission Impossible experience overall was a much bigger deal for yeah. me personally because it's a cast that is filled with people that I have a lot of very strong feelings about <laughs> as the person who watches movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, and some of these people I have been watching in movies since I was a little kid. Yeah. And um, it's 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 very tough in the way that I have some media experience now, you know, for, for – 15 years or whatever being working in sports and talking to famous athletes. And over time you get used to that. And thing that would maybe make some people starstruck 
It's no big deal to you after you've been doing it for a few years. Re- hit the reset <laughs> when you do it with movie stars. It is an entirely different experience. I was as nervous as I have ever been doing something for for my job. Um, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people would hear that and say that's a really silly way well, to act. Just well, let's set up. Like, let's set up what a so in press junket. In just in case, we just jumped right in, assuming everyone like. Yeah, sorry. That's what a junket is. That's no, a. Uh, it's essentially like when you see like the really cool clips of stars talking about the movie, and like they have the little background that says what the movie is, whatever, and the, you see different clips of them talking about different things. Those are all from press days or media days or press junkets, whatever you want to call it. There's a bunch of different terms for it, but um, essentially, you get a chance to talk to the the actors and actresses and and. You've got anywhere from four minutes to I've done ten. Um, I think wow. ten was the longest that was a setup. I don't know um, that. I, in some ways, I don't know that I could have made it ten minutes. In person, but it's and it's and I did for Top Gun Maverick, which was the first one I did. Which so take all of those emotions you felt for Transformers and the stress of going from interviewing athletes and it, because i guess we say like we're not trying to diminish like interviewing athletes we've just gotten so no we just had done it we've done it time, so many times yeah. yeah the first time i went to a tony bennett virginia basketball press conference i was like sweating bullets i was just like oh sure. my god like the, what what if i what if my question sounds stupid like and yeah. it probably did like probably, <laughs> whatever but you, once you've talked to college athletes college coaches pro athletes pro coaches like you kind of get the feel of it you get more comfortable and you're right it the game just totally changes when all of a sudden so the setup is really interesting and it's easy, but also feels like it's designed to be the most stressful ever. And I'm not actually sure when they started doing the virtual junkets. That might have been solely COVID. I'd be surprised if it if it existed before COVID um, because I just don't think people really used Zoom that much before then. True. And, but um, it, it does give a lot more people access because, yeah. I mean, if they weren't doing it this way... I'm not getting for, out to LA. Like, yeah, for our listeners who don't know, York, you know, I live in Alabama. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten to do any of this yeah. if it, if it wasn't virtual. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you you get put into a Zoom call where you essentially sit there waiting with a bunch of other journalists on the Zoom call, <laughs> and every that few could be minutes, anywhere from like 15 minutes to 45. Yeah, I think I even was in one for an hour. And Just essentially was, yeah. you're sitting in there and at some point your name gets called and they say, <laughs> you've got a link to go talk to, in my case, you have a link to go talk to Simon Pegg. <laughs> and so you go from, you're sitting there waiting, doing nothing, killing time. And now you have to go get on a different Zoom call where you're going to talk to a guy who you have been watching <laughs> since you were like 20 years old. Uh, you've seen, <laughs> you've, you've seen so many movies that he's done you've seen his face so many times and yeah. heard his voice so many times and he doesn't know who you are no. at all no um and and so it's it really was pretty surreal to to start the call and i and i think like in some respects i i wasn't I, it was almost like i wasn't fully believing that that's who i was talking to. yeah it's you know? very- weird like i'm doing i'm doing my part of it and there's video coming back that seems to acknowledge what i've said and is giving me an appropriate (laughs) response but like my brain didn't really make the connection of like you're actually talking to that guy yeah this cgi is great see your face and hear your voice yeah it's very it's very it's a surreal experience i and i'm sure the more the more i do it the less weird it will be for me i don't know because i don't know well i think if it's if it's people you've talked to before well and that's all very so the they're the not going to remember me. The mo- well, the most <laughs> stressful thing is the 
anywhere from five to again, 15, 20 minutes that you yeah. wait in the second waiting area because, and you kind of sit there and you like, I, every single time, no matter what, even though I know I'm going to have seven minutes or whatever it is, cause they kind of back you up. It's like a, a stack coming into an airport to land. They have you spaced out perfectly. Right. Like when it's your turn, you get in, you get out and they give you little like alerts in the zoom chat, like two minutes left, please wrap up like all these things. And so you have to, so you're sitting there, you're waiting, and you know that when that screen drops, when it changes, you're going to be talking to Ice Cube, or you're going to be talking to <laughs> Dave Harbour, or you're going to be talking the, That's the to moment Glenn where Powell. you're, like, absolutely sweating bullets at that sweating. exact moment. <laughs> and you're just kind of, like, waiting, like, and then you kind of get into relax mode where you're like, all right, this is going to take a few minutes. And then you're like, any sort of peripheral movement, you're like, is that them? No, it's not them. Okay. And then once you get in there, you now have four minutes to, like, establish a rapport. Like, you're like, oh, I'm talking to Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez. Like, I hope they like me. And you, like, don't want your questions to be dumb or things that they've heard every single, you know. And so it's such a fascinating and yeah, I think you do get more and more used to it. The only I've talked to only one person twice, and that was Glenn Powell for um, Maverick and um, Devotion, and he did remember me. And then I died inside because I was so excited. Oh God! Yeah, and then I was like, oh, I have to ask questions. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, look, it's... we're we're going to talk to Charles and and Drew in a minute about their experience because. Yep. There are now there are people in this cast that they've interviewed multiple times and have kind of a relationship with, which I am so curious about how that develops. But, you know, there again, there there is a little initial giddiness. Um, and I would say that I got it. I got it for Simon Pegg, for sure. I got it talking to Haley Atwell, for sure. Understandable. Um, and, uh, I, you know, look. Shay Wiggum and Tarzan Davis, who I talked to, are extremely cool, and it was yeah. cool talking to them because I had already seen the movie when I was talking to them. Yeah, but but definitely, I think there is a certain level of like, if you've seen somebody in a bunch of movies that are very important to you, um, yes. that there is a different level of anxiety that you get from it, and in some cases, I would imagine like the people in real life are nothing like what you see in movies. Yeah. Um, but in Simon Pegg's case, it was not the case at all. He was like exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. Him that's always to be tons like. of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you said, you said, uh, you spoke to Haley Atwell. Uh, and we have a clip of that. Um, so here is a clip of our own Matt from For the Water Cooler talking to Haley Atwell about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Haley, you are so unbelievably cool in this movie and yet you're you're also kind of an audience surrogate in a way you're sort of our point of view character because you're you're coming into this world where all these characters already have relationships with each other so for you as an actor what was that like joining this team where everybody had had really worked together before and had all these pre-existing relationships oh well yeah great question matt hello by the way so nice to see you i think in answer to that, the first thing was that there is a, you know, you walk into a franchise that's so established and so confident in what it is that for me as an actor, you feel very held by something that, you know, works so brilliantly with Tom and Macquarie's symbiotic relationship and work ethic that really drives the tone of the piece and the atmosphere on set. And so when I came into it, I knew that they had, you know, they had been very transparent that they were looking for an actor they wanted to work with. And then, based on who that person was, 
that they would collaborate on creating a character out of these strengths that that particular actor had. And so I knew that it would feel very collaborative. And so the five months training that we did before principal photography was obviously very physical with drifting and with unarmed combat and mixed martial arts and pickpocketing techniques. We were also watching a lot of movies together of going, what is the, what is the language of their relationship and the chemistry between them that is new that we haven't seen in a Mission Impossible franchise before? And the comedic elements of things like What's Up Doc and Paper Moon and The Sting came into that kind of quite effortlessly once we were watching them and we were feeling, you know, it felt so uh, delightful to have a levity between them both and having a character who is not intentionally pulling the rug from underneath his feet but sort of makes Ethan Hunt look a little bit silly at times which only endears him to the audience even more. So those things were just so fun to find and play with with Tom. So so last question for you, the, 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 the car chase in this, it's brutal. Even watching it, it, it is it is such a physical scene. Can you talk to me a little bit about working with Tom in a stunt? I mean, the, this is the thing that he is known for, perhaps mm-hmm. above all else recently. What, what, what was your experience like? The training was paramount to that. And so working with Wade Eastwood initially at Dunsfield Racetrack, making sure that my drifting was up to not only the kind of speed and precision that needed to be, but that I was also aware of obstacles that I'd be facing on the streets of Rome, you know, from buildings to people to other cars. And Wade is, is so disciplined and strict and such a brilliant teacher that he would not let me get into a car on location unless he knew that his own crew were safe. And so, so much of the preparation that we did was was... It was extraordinary how much kind of you know how much we put in the the seat time that I did in those cars. So by the time we got to Rome, I had built up the trust uh, from Wade and also from Tom that I could do these competently and that I could also take direction for them in terms of performance, so that Grace could seem to be more uh, reckless than I as Haley as a driver was. And so being able to juggle the two, you know, compartmentalizing the reality of what it was like to be in a car with me versus Grace's pretend portrayal portrayal that actually, you know, she was out of her depth and make it therefore seemingly more dangerous. Um, And, you know, it's a a great sort of privilege of my life that in that moment, Tom felt that he could put his life in my hands while being handcuffed to me (laughs) in a passenger seat, you know, somewhere he never wants to be. Um, And so, you know, I think that was, again, as a result of all the preparation that we do to make sure that we were doing it right and doing it safely. Thank you so much, Haley. Truly, I've... So much enjoyed watching your performance. You were fantastic. In Thank this movie. you. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. All right. So much fun. You did great. These are so, I mean, I never want anyone to like, you want the videos to come out, but then at the same time, you overanalyze like every single thing you said to them. Like, did they like oh, my question? Of course. It's interesting. I, I, w- I was, I was like, I, I would say that you just heard a clip of my voice during what were probably the four most harrowing minutes of my <laughs> of my thirties for sure. Uh, I, I was, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it really is just like, you don't want to embarrass yourself or screw yeah. up. Um, and, and look, thankfully everybody who was involved in the process was so nice to me and was so accommodating. They set up a screening for me in Birmingham, Alabama for this movie. 
It was yeah. literally just me and a it's security guard sitting in the theater. Of weird stuff. I had two security guards for Grand Tour. Wow, they really didn't trust you, huh? <laughs> it was me. There were more security guards than people viewing the film. <laughs> Grand Turismo. But all right, when we come back, we are going to be joined by the Light the Fuse host, uh, and we're super excited. All right, we are joined now by Drew Taylor and Charles Hood, the hosts of Light the Fuse podcast, which has been around for a few years now, but has sort of been reborn this week in a new form uh, in which it is now the official podcast of the Mission Impossible film franchise. First of all, guys, welcome to the show and congratulations. What a what an awesome journey your show has been on. Oh, thank you so much. Really, we just followed a simple blueprint that we laid out, which is <laughs> do something every week for free for five years. <laughs> Befriend the giant, the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. And then one day they'll actually let, let you do it for real. So, yeah, I mean, I think anybody can follow this. Just go out there and do it. And, yeah, it's it's easy as that. Yeah. This is like where it's like A, B, you know, list like start a podcast. Do dot, it dot, podcast, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Like, yeah. profit. Conquers, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very easy. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I can can you guys for 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 people who haven't heard your show before and I encourage everybody to go find it. We'll drop a link to it in our notes. But can you kind of give me a little bit of a of a backstory of why did you guys decide we're going to do a podcast that's exclusively about a movie franchise which I believe when you started there was only 5 movies, is that right? Yeah, well, it was on the eve of of uh, Fallout. It was almost okay. exactly five years. Charles, why yeah. did we do this? <laughs> I, mean, I, think... <laughs> I asked myself that every night before I go to bed. No. Uh, it was in the lead up to Fallout. I mean, the tra- that trailer for Fallout was so incredible. And Drew and I, since we saw Ghost Protocol in IMAX together at the Lincoln Square, we talk about this all the time on the show. We just were so obsessed. We're both, we're both huge Brad Bird fans. We're both huge Brian De Palma fans. So we love the original already. And then when Brad Bird came out with Ghost Protocol, that movie blew our mind in IMAX, the whole Burj Khalifa sequence in Dubai. And we just talk about the movies all the time. We like overanalyze them to like an insane degree. Talking about like how does Ethan always have these he always has a different middle management boss in every movie that he's dealing with and all these like funny things that are in each one. And we're just like always talking about it and speculating. And we were just like, doesn't anybody else talk about these movies? There's gotta be somebody else out there who's crazy like us. And then it's, uh, at some point, I think it was Drew. I don't know. I think he, he said we should do a podcast. And then we just were like, all right, yeah, we just figured we'd do it as like a little mini series and, you know, just play it out and just do it for fun. And then it kind of segued into interviews and then it became an interview show. And that was the thing that we love to do is to highlight all the amazing people who have made the movies. And we've talked to, you know, so many incredible people on the old version of the show. And now we're resetting and doing it all again. <laughs> and do you think they have, because of something you said, does IMF have a management issue? What is the deal? They're not like two consecutive. Every single time I watch number two, which granted, not a lot of times, uh, I'm always like, Anthony Hopkins is in this? Like every single time without yeah. fail. We think that that all those people are still working there. Yeah. They just get moved to yeah. a There's a break room where all those guys yes. are having oh. coffee at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> the break room is what we have. We live for that break room. Right? Because yes. every single time I'm like, well, Angela Bassett will definitely come back. Right, Matt? And he's like, no. 
Well, <laughs> you're not being you're not being fired. You've been transferred to another department. <laughs> you're being disavowed right. to another department. Folks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> look closely in Dead Reckoning Part One because I think I think Angela Bassett might be coming back if you look closely. We'll see. Mm. Or at least there's a nod to her being around in the world still. Okay. Very interesting. I love her. Well, I watch her in literally anything. Literally, where, I mean, I watch nine one one, so I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> really, anything. Well, I, and, I, and now Kittredge is back in the new one. I mean, he was sure. the, the original, the OG middle management boss from the first movie, <laughs> yeah. and he's back. So anybody can come back. Maybe Hopkins <laughs> will be back. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne will be back. Who knows? So, but speaking of all these, all these people and these incredible guests that you guys have had on your show. I want to talk about the people that you have on this week in a little bit here, but prior to prior to that um, and, and, and sort of the big moment where, where you guys finally had Tom come on the show, which is one of the most fun things I've ever heard in a podcast. (laughs) What, what were like some of your early interviews where you guys really felt like, man, that was, that was a great one. Like, I can't believe we landed this guy. Charles, Charles reminded me of this recently is that we had like we had lauren balf who was the composer of fallout yeah. and now dead reckoning part one he was our first interview wow and after that we had eddie eddie hamilton who edited you know fallout and the two new ones and then one of our first big ones that we really loved was we went to brad bird's house and sat with him for an hour and a half <laughs> while he was in town i think in the kind of oscar run-up for incredibles 2 right charles so maybe yes. that was like early 2019 and that was like one of the most amazing things because he had never really talked about it, that movie, that much. And so yeah. we kind of got the commentary for the movie just sitting there on his couch and, you know, just seeing like, you know, it the original a- drawing of the Iron Giant that, that yeah. Joe Johnston made on the wall and stuff like that. I mean, he's just unreal. And he was a lovely guy. We yeah. kept being like, we, we felt like we were imposing. And so like it ended up being our longest interview at that time. It was only like an hour and a half. And it was like. It was a big deal. I mean, we kept being like, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. And he's like, no, no, but I, I got more to say. Well, and, and we were sitting on this couch neck across from a TV that had like a cable box on it. So I was very aware of the time. Sometimes we talk and then we look at the clock and it's like, oh, my God, we talked to that person for so long. This was like, you are wasting this man's time. It's just <laughs> we were well, just no. trying to leave and he refused. But what did I remind you of, Drew? You said that recently. Just how, just how off, the, off the bat. I mean, we started the podcast in June of 2018 by that Christmas. We had had all these amazing people already. So it was yeah. just it was kind of a crazy <laughs> whirlwind scenario and then it became like a a thing like of, of telephone where it's like oh have you talked to jerry jerry worked yeah, at props yeah. and it's like oh yeah we'll call jerry like yeah. you know and it was <laughs> you know but we loved brian de palma too i think that was a big one for both of us because that yeah. worked, that took yeah. a lot of work um yeah a lot of persistence yes sure I, we, I, we finally got him and that was amazing so caroline and i were just talking before you guys got on the podcast about we're we're both relatively new to the, the sort of entertainment industry junket process. Uh, we've we've been in media for many many years, and we've interviewed a lot of especially sports figures. But talking to particularly movie stars, it's a very different experience. And you guys obviously have a lot more experience with that than us. What is what is kind of what's sort of your do you have tricks? Do you have things that you've learned along the way of doing this, of how to get a good interview from a person where you're maybe feeling a little bit like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person? Well, 
we are lucky in the sense that we don't have to do those kind of junket interviews. But one of one of the sure. pleasures of my life was bringing going to Rome with Charles and bringing him into these rooms and saying, "You have to sit down across from this person who you've just met and try to make something engaging for four minutes." And and there was he a was absolutely horrified. Down. There was a clock that was counting. <laughs> so down I was going to ask. What I was the, terrified. That's what I was going to ask. We get a countdown we clock too. Yeah. We, we don't even get a clock. We get like I'm sitting there waiting for like. Two there's a guy. Clocks. There's a guy yelling in the Zoom chat going. You have one minute. Yeah, I got a like, you need like, I got like a double wrap up and I was like, Archie's been super nice. Like, I'm anyway. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask what's like in person. Is it? Yeah. I think like, it's like, you know, we went to Paul Hirsch who's the editor of star Wars empire strikes back. He edited the first mission. He edited ghost protocol. We went to his home and sat down with him on his couch, talked to him for like an hour and a half. He's such a great storyteller. He's so funny. And we we're just like having fun hanging out with him. And then after 90 minutes, he kind of just goes, all right, guys, time to go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the opposite of the other interview. Yeah. Really but cool. I have some more Ferris Bueller questions that I can throw your way. So. <laughs> Take a hike. Yeah. So, incredible. So listen, I, I want to I bring up one specific moment from your podcast because you, you have Tom Cruise on your show. The first, the first episode of your new feed, which is out there right now, Yes. Um, a, a fantastic interview. But it's not the first time he's come on your show. You had a big anniversary episode, um, I guess, last year, I think, right? Um, it was, yeah, it was last, last year. Last year or two years ago? Yeah, so, no, it so, was last year. Yeah. So it, it, they, were, they were still on production uh, making Dead Reckoning. There are a lot of people around uh, that, that Christopher McQuarrie is kind of pulling into the show as you guys are, are interviewing him. And there's a big surprise moment that I assume you guys didn't know was coming where they put, he puts Tom on the line and I, I it's, it's so, I, I bring it up because I feel like I, you can hear the two of you smiling when it happens on the podcast. It's well, one of the most fun things I've ever heard. In a yeah. Podcast. Well, let me give you the setup too, is that yeah. we, we bugged him about it in the episode. You can hear us go like, where is he? Like you told us on the 200th episode, he would be here. <laughs> And he said, oh, he's at Wimbledon with my wife. So then we were yeah. like, okay, that's a pretty good excuse. So as as I, I think I was the host, even though I'd given McCoy the controls to, you know, send the link to Nick Offerman, who we didn't even know had been cast in a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, you found out in the, the show. show. Yeah. 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 Um, and so then I see in the window, like, McCoy's wife is coming in. And I was like, oh, my God, they're together and Cruz is coming in. And so, yeah, it was... So I had a little bit of a tip-off there, but, man, it was great. And then Charles had the, the wherewithal. We had made a, like, Google Doc of questions for him. So he just immediately... Case. Just in case. Charles is a much more prepared individual than I am. He went in there. He started this bit, which someone later described to me as the Burj Khalifa of failed bits, which I love. <laughs> It's an amazing, and, it is an amazing moment, but yes, it's an amazing, please. but, but in Charles's weird attempt to get him to, t to say stuff, he told stories that he had never told anybody and stories about movies that he rarely talks about. Yeah. So it ended up being he talked the about same legends. way with like, he, he, he talked about color money. Yeah, color of it's, money. I mean, it is amazing. It's yeah. really interesting because in his interview, and he does a little bit of it in the, in the new interview too, like. You you start asking Tom a question, and then 
he kind of rejects the premise and then he goes, but let me say something else that you didn't expect to hear from me. That's also super interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were just with him and he told a 15 minute story about his horse that was absolutely incredible and had nothing to do with what we were asking him about. And but it was hilarious. It, it was, was amazing. So we have to get just the video to tease out that, because yeah. it's so funny. It's yeah. incredible. He was yeah. so great. Yeah. What? Uh, where would you rank Dead Reckoning Part One if you were doing your? Car- oh. Caroline has not seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't okay. seen it yet. She's no the only one of us who has not seen it. Wait, yeah. we haven't gone public with our rankings, Drew. Okay. Are, we, are we? Are we? We might be holding off. It kind right. of needs to hold off. I need to hold off. But I mean, okay, that's off. fair. That's fair. But okay, just give. How about on a? Can you give me like a one to ten rank? I mean, I not think like, it's, the just most, it's the most fun movie you'll see this summer, and that is not just me as a. Paramount contractor. Even with Barbie coming out. <laughs> Even with Barbie coming out. I haven't Barbie seen, comes I haven't out seen Barbie yet. Look, yeah, I mean, Oppenheimer oh, yes, okay. this year. Yes, I mean, Oppenheimer Barbie. might be a laugh riot. We don't know. Barring <laughs> <laughs> that, I think this will be the most fun kind yes. of ride. Yeah. It is It is a nonstop thrill ride. It is incredible. Yeah. It is... I mean, it's. I mean, look, all the Mission Impossible movies are great. Even, even the ones that we don't even like quite as much are great. This is This one is... This one's up there. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's really great. I, uh, I do there's so much to love, and it's just okay. Matt's really coming in with some commentary you. here. Hold on. Okay. No, I, I, I want to ask you because you look. You said the ones you don't like as much. Before you guys go, <laughs> I, I did well, want to ask. It's like you know. It's like what's my? It's not like best to worst. It's like best to to least best. It's like sure. what, the, what the series is. You know, I mean, I think Drew and I have always had the same rankings. And I think we actually, I think we could say that we still, I think we still have the same rankings now. Yeah. Even after seeing Seven, it, I was afraid. I was like, oh, Drew, we've been in unison for so long. What if we see the movie and what if one of us ranks it in a different spot than the other <laughs> one? <laughs> but afterwards, they're like, no, we're still totally in sync. We are we are a hive mind. Yes. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, we've always had two at the bottom and three at, at the second, second to last. Yeah. But like... Through watching these movies and watching them and over and over again and studying them and like getting people from movies who've worked on them to talk about them. I mean, there's so much to appreciate in both of those movies. And we still, there's so many things that we love in them. I mean, the, the Vatican heist and MI3 is one of the greatest sequences. I think that it has been in a Mission Impossible so movie. Cool. And like yeah. the knife in the eye moment in MI2 where that eye is like, sorry, where that knife is tickling his uh, eyelashes. Like it is wild. I cannot believe that Tom Cruise actually did that. And it's also, I mean, it's just like John Woo directed the movie and, you know, did the John Woo thing. Birds everywhere. Just, it's beautiful yeah. looking. It's the most beautiful Tom Cruise has ever looked. I mean, it's just like amazing because <laughs> John Woo, that's what he does. He makes his lead actors look absolutely stunning and he did the it. Hair. And it's just, it's that amazing. Hair. Slow motion oh, yeah. and kicks everywhere. It's a blast. I mean, it's a great movie. It's like, you know. It's like pizza, Mission Impossible. It is never a bad one. Sure. Well, listen, I, I, I've got I, you guys are incredibly knowledgeable on this franchise at this point. I do want to put it to the test a little bit. So uh, we we know that being a member of the IMF requires a lot of different skills. You have to be very versatile. And not only are members of the Mission Impossible cast great action stars, but they've also all been romantic leads at some point. We're going to. Explore your knowledge of that now in a segment okay. that we're calling Mission Rom Comable. Play the jingle, uh, Chandler. <laughs> oh, 
all the romance in the world today. All the movies about boys meeting girls today. With the good comes the bad, the bad comes the good. But I'ma watch them all like I should. Like I should. Now all the critics say we're finished. That rom-coms put a limit on our talent and ambition. We want to capture some passion from that massive demographic. That female 18 to 40 action. I know why you want to date me. I know why you want to date me. This is more than a jingle. This is a full song. A lot of good movies out. Proud of yourself. I know why you want to date me. I know why you want to date me. I know why you want to date me. Cause there's a lot of good movies out lately. All right. Yeah. And now you want to date me? Cause there's a lot of good movies out lately. Wait, is there really a game, or do you just want to play that song? Are we, are we done? <laughs> that was really the main point of it. Yeah, it was playing. for the record. There's a new song every week, and I don't get to hear them until we're actually recording. So this is just as exciting. And I don't know yeah. any of the questions. Thanks, this is also thanks for sitting through that, me. guys. Uh, I, all right, look, I've got, I've got a, I've got a question about a. a wait, Drew. <laughs> Drew, are you all right? There are no rules, Drew. If you're asking what the okay. rules, oh, are. sorry, sorry. I just said that was one of the that was one of the harder things we've had to do for this podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate <laughs> you enduring it. Yeah, so listen. Sorry, I'm going to ask each of you one question uh, okay. because you were so patient sitting through the jingle about a member of this cast in a romantic role that they've had. Uh, okay, okay, so okay. let's let's start with Drew. Okay. So in we the can't film, help each other. Do we get a lifeline you, or anything? You cannot help each other. It is oh. it is in, integral to the contest. Okay. You not no googling. We no googling. We didn't say that week one, and our guest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew. In yeah. the film Florence Foster Jenkins, Meryl Streep's title character is being cheated on by her long-term partner Hugh Grant with this Mission Impossible actress. Is this a Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 actress? She is in that movie, yes. I will. I mean, I, I think by process of elimination, I'm going to say none other than the vivacious Haley Atwell. I'm so sorry, Drew. The answer is Rebecca Ferguson. Wow. Oh, my oh, God. Geez. If Rebecca listens to this, I'm in deep. <laughs> <laughs> deep. Wow. Okay. All right, Charles. Okay. You're up here. We're, we're going all the way back to 1983, which many consider Tom Cruise's breakout role, these teen sex comedy risky business. Who was Tom's romantic counterpart in the film? That's actually a What's trick that? question, if I just want to say, because oh. there's the, the prostitute and then there's the actual high school girl who he's interested in. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I know who I would probably lean. Anyway, Charles, the go female ahead. lead was what I was female going lead. for. Okay, okay. Is that Rebecca De Mornay? That is Rebecca De Mornay. Okay. Great job, Charles. All right, all right. My I'm going to throw one. I'm going to throw one to you, my co-host. Can oh, you okay. can you pull us through for the show here? This Mission Impossible actress starred in the romantic comedy Austin Land about a woman trying to find love at a Jane Austen themed resort. Oh. Can you get a year on this movie? Uh, on Austin Land? Yes, is, the, is the movie you want the year on? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Austin Land came out in 2013. Okay. I have I have a theory. I am torn, but I'm on the fence between two, and I think it's pretty obvious who the two are. Um, I'm going to go Vanessa Kirby. It is not. It is Carrie Russell, who appeared in only one. Oh, I was, okay. Wow, that is a real... 
That's a deep cut. That's I have seen. I have seen Austin Land. Actually, I actually kind of want to watch that. (laughs) Your description made me want to watch it. We just talked to Tom Cruise and we just listened to a link. What is it? Lincoln Park? No, that would be that would be Limp Biscuit. Oh God, worse (laughs) from the soundtrack of Mission Impossible too. Oh man! All right, guys. Well, listen. Thank you so much, and so big congrats to you guys on yes. the, the podcast. That's it. We're, we came here to talk Mission Impossible. Listen, the amount of texts I've gotten this week that say, <laughs> "I know you're tired of talking about Mission Impossible," but and I say, "I'm not tired." Now let's talk yes. all night about Mission Impossible. Let's yeah. do it. I'm ready. Look, yeah. if you want to go further, we, I, I've got time. I, I thought we were keeping you guys. You've had such a. We got six week. minutes left. Let's let's. All right, milk look now. Milk it. I've got, I've got more obscure romantic comedy questions. Well, this might be way too easy, but I was shocked to learn this. The only character that has been in all seven now besides Tom Cruise. Yes. Super easy. Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he got, because I was looking through, because I thought for a second that, um, Kittredge. I was like, has he been in all of them? No, As I started the my rewatch, one. and I was like, nope, only the first nope. one. Because that's yep. when I got caught up in the middle management thing. Yeah, you got um, it. Yeah. And they all have different names. Yeah, Mission it's... Commander. What are the, some of the other ones, Charles? Uh, operations Manager Swanbeck. That would be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is not made up. There's a, there's no, actually... no, sorry. Sorry, no, no. So uh, Operations Manager Musgrave and Mission Commander Swanbeck. Yeah, Mission Commander Swanbeck yeah. is Anthony Hopkins. Operations manager Musgrave was uh, Billy Crudup in MIT. Who is, yes. who is Lawrence Fishburne? Lawrence Fishburne was this is I, IMF director. Yes. Um, not secretary, which is the big, that's the head honcho of the IMF is the secretary. I, is so IMF director was Lawrence Fishburne. His character's name was, oh man, it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, I shouldn't. I don't want to cheat. Oh, uh, oh, I'm the tip of my tongue. Oh man, not uh, Musgraves. No, no, Musgrave is is Billy Crudup. Um, oh. oh, he's man. the shady one. He so was for, for people who that. love the middle management aspect of the <laughs> Mission Impossible series, I will, without spoiling anything, I will say there is a scene in Dead Reckoning Part One that's just an, an absolute uh, buffet, a feast yes. of middle management. Yes, Brassel, yes. Charles Brassel. Brassel, yes. That's right. Theodore Brassel. Yeah. And and you were asking about uh so Baldwin was was CIA and then in between movies became the secretary of the IMF. Okay, okay. so he was and he makes a note about it saying that it was probably a lateral move. And then he says (laughs) some would say a step down. (laughs) Who is your who would you say your favorite like not like side character? So not like the main group of people that we always see. So I'm gonna take out Simon Pegg. I'm gonna take out an official Ethan team member. Yeah, like who's been your favorite character across the franchise where you're like, uh, wish they were in this more? Well, we love Maggie Q and Paula Patton from Ghost Protocol. We always think that they should be back. Maggie's told us that she she was almost brought back, I think, for two different one, yeah. Two yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maggie was in three and Paula Patton was in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. yeah. Those are two two team members we love. But if but, we're talking about not team members, are we yeah. are we are we including yeah. team members? Not oh. team members. I mean to me, Kittredge and having Kittredge back back is like very cool. Huge. We we did a bonus episode when we got that news, when that news came out, like on our old show. We did this little bonus episode where it's just us like screaming in excitement because Kittredge was back. <laughs> I recognize the voice because I well here's here's my fun fact. I went to see Top Gun so many times that obviously every single time I went to see Top Gun, it was the preview for Dead Reckoning because it's just <laughs> why would you not? Because it's you know, same 
uh, production companies there, there. Uh, which also, ha- you know, I love um, Tarzan as well because uh, he did the, I did the, I talked to him for the junket for Top Gun. Love what him. A not, a, not, a, not a very charming guy. And right? <laughs> just no personality. <laughs> <laughs> horribly. Yeah, I told him, yeah. I told him that it cut, like, cause I was asking about call signs and um, he was like, Oh, you don't think Coyote's the best one? Because I liked. Fa- I was talking to Fanboy and Hangman yeah. at the same Danny. time, and I, yeah. yeah, and I was like, okay, chill. He was like, oh, come on, <laughs> like, what is this? Like, you know, all this stuff. So he's he's we, a delight. But we had Glenn Powell, Tarzan, and Danny Ramirez uh, Zumbamas from Jay Ellis's yeah. wedding in Italy. Stop. Yeah, as which part is of very funny. Episode. How did it, how did your phone not explode with all the the handsome all the handsomeness? It was that trio was the was the, <laughs> the first group I did for um my first ever junket, which was Top Gun Maverick, oh, which well, was super fun for me because I used to I was a naval aviator, and so like I had this whole that's like right it kind of wow. fell in my lap in the first. What was your call sign? Carl. Carl. <laughs> so, that's like a Bob of yeah. I know. I got Amazing. saluted and called sir twice in the same deployment, and my <laughs> um, oh, I see my officer in charge was like, oh, okay, Carl. So Caroline became Carl, and like my dad calls me Carl now. Still, so, cool. he was also aviation. He was an Air Force pilot, so he like he gets the world. But yeah. um, so it was funny. They were great. Monica Barbro was great. Jay Ellis was fantastic, and like the whole crew was the most fun to talk they're all lovely that is that has been another true gift i think from this whole experience is that everyone involved in these movies has just been so kind and so generous and so supportive of the show Uh, they're so into it like tarzan who is uh just (laughs) in the pod yeah charisma nothing they all really like want to be there at every one of these media opportunities that you see which i don't think is always the case for for folks doing that i think they're a little tired right now i think they're (laughs) They're probably a little tired danny joined them on the carpet last night wherever they were last night yeah did you see like there was some great um instagram stories from danny both danny ramirez and then the top gun official account were like staring things because he's like got to be here to support my guys it's like him and tom is just like hyping we want to be on that text chain we want to be on that yeah regret i mean it was uh tarzan called the billion dollar thing like that was one of my favorite stories out of top gun later it's like he shared the text like the group chat he's like this is hitting a b like hitting a billion like the whole thing yeah and he was like hit it like it was great i just can't believe how lucky drew and i were with making the show at the time that we did it like we were like let's do a show because fallout looks so good and then fallout was like beyond beyond what we thought it was going to be it was so great i mean you caught an updraft we hold a special place in our heart for the original movie and yeah. then Fallout came along. We were like, "Man, Fallout's maybe almost as good as the original." Like, well, and then to ha- and then to follow that with Top Gun Maverick, which we did our whole mini series on. It's all the whole, you know, so many of the same creative team members, and so we covered that. And now we have the pleasure of covering Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning yeah. Part One. We just keep like getting to be covering these movies that are some of the best movies of their year. I mean, it's like it's unbelievable. Have we're you so lucky. gotten to talk to Henry Cavill and did you ask him about reloading his biceps? Because that's like one of my absolute <laughs> favorite we things haven't. that's ever happened in a movie. We're, so. we're working on it. We, 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 on that's a whole that's a whole a odyssey time. that needs to be asked about. I mean, we're yeah, talking about we're talking about a mustache that had to be digitally removed later. <laughs> <laughs> our, our franchise actively made the Snyderverse worse. Absolutely. That's really something that Absolutely. we are very proud of. <laughs> 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 I just you love it. It's, it's, such a, yeah. it's such a delight to talk about these movies because it is one I remember watching the first one. Great plot twist, perfect mm-hmm. usage of the masks, like all that stuff. 
and we talked, we joked about too, like what it's not for me, it's not as good. And it's just a why. like if it, I didn't have some of the star power and the IP, like, I don't know if like that continued anyway. Um, three is super fun, but four, five, six, just like it reinvented this franchise. And part of it is the fact that Tom Cruise will do literally any stunt and every single time he's like one upping himself. And I don't understand what he's going to be able to do next. Like, I, you think that like that's oh, what Burj I was going to ask you guys. Yeah, what, like Burj Khalifa, that's got to be the pinnacle of of stunts. And then the next movie, he's like hanging off a plane. Well, I know we've got to we've got to go right now, but I, I will say that we we went to set for eight. We have seen a lot from eight. There is something in eight, and it's not even the biggest stunt probably in the movie that Charles and I almost collapsed and had to be <laughs> it. It was, what a great it's so outrageous, and it's so. It's like, how, how did they let him do this? Why did they let him do this? But it is, it is one of the most thrilling things we've ever seen, and we cannot wait to see it. You know, we were watching it on a monitor, seeing it blown up to 70 feet. It's going to just be unbelievable. So as good as 7 is... Eight is going to just kind of wipe yeah. it off the table. Yeah, it's it's as they, as they continue to do with each yes. movie, they just yeah. up the ante and they just keep doing it. It's a, it's remarkable. Well, yeah. what a what a great what a great note to leave us off with. A <laughs> That's great a little tease, tease for you. And, yeah. and listen, truly, uh, Light the Fuse is a fantastic podcast. If you are into these movies or or any movies that are adjacent, you guys have done special episodes about non Mission Impossible movies that just sort of involve a lot of the crew from, from this stuff and uh, yep. going back into your back catalog, but where can everybody find your, your new feed? And if they want to go back and listen to some older episodes, how can they do that? Charles? <laughs> I guess I don't I, know how we talk one. about this. Uh, so yeah, no, no. I mean, our, look, Mission Impossible, uh, Mission, uh, Light, Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And we have new episodes every Tuesday. How was that, Drew? Did I do okay? That was great. That was and we got great. some bonus episodes the first month the movie comes out. Yes. And the, we've got some Ninja Turtle shit coming, too, called Light whoa, the Ooze. Whoa, whoa. Drew's just Light letting the all this stuff out of the bag. Yes, Drew, I love Drew, it. What are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, Let's tell the show, Charles. we got to get some, we gotta hey, get some hey, listeners. Hey, we did see the new Ninja Turtles movie, and I was blown away. Drew had Amazing. seen it already at an animation festival, and he was hyping it up, and I was like, ah, I don't know. We'll see. And he took me to a press screening, and I was like, oh, my God, this movie's great. I'm so I excited talked to, to Ice talk Cube a couple, like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He's probably talking cool. about an interview. He was a ton of fun. Yeah. So, but, but, so, but our old episodes, though, if you want to yeah. hear the old show, the only place you can hear it is if you uh, follow our show on SoundCloud. If you get the sound, There's a SoundCloud app. It's pretty good for your phone you can, if you want to you know, while you're driving or whatever, but also our website, like the fuse podcast.com has our whole episode guide. And if you go to the episode guide, so all different ways to search old episodes, you can do it by crew position with the interviews, or you can do it by alphabetical name, or you can do it in chronological order and go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to 2018 when we started the damn thing. So cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Everybody go check out like the fuse, go check out dead reckoning part one. It's, it is your as as the guys said, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. Exclusively in theaters. Exclusively Go in theaters. See it, in see it, theaters. On, the see it on the biggest possible. screen possible. <laughs> yes. yes. And thanks everybody for listening for the water cooler, and we will be back next week with another episode.